Hello, and welcome to the I Should Have Known podcast. I'm Andy, and today I am going to explain four big facts about patterns. But be careful because I'm lying about one of those four facts. So we want you to join our other hosts, Tanner and Soups, in guessing which one of my four facts about patterns is not 100% correct. All right. So yeah, I guess I can't turn it over to myself because I did my own (laughs) intro. (laughs) This is the wrong medium for this, to do a podcast (laughs) about patterns, which are very visual. Yeah. With that in mind, I picked four patterns that I think are very easily recognizable to our predominantly Western listeners. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't really want to talk about patterns from places that I'm not from or I'm not descended from. Yeah. Especially because I think at least for Americans, maybe also Europeans, we're not super attached to patterns. Yeah, when we're talking about clothes, like these are patterns of fabrics and clothes and things like that, right? Yeah, we're talking about cloth patterns in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think of them like different colored shirts, you know, different colors, different patterns, different styles. Yeah. But around the world, patterns are very closely tied to culture and are hugely important to people. And, you know, you can actually determine someone's culture or even down to their family by patterns. Jeez. So I'm going to try to go from least complicated to most complicated patterns. (laughs) Okay. We'll work our way up. Okay. Yeah. The first pattern I'm going to talk about are just stripes. Okay. Easy enough. Very easy. Easy peasy. We're doing stripes, which are parallel lines of usually alternating colors. And so I'm going to go right to fact number one. Okay. Get right into it. Fact number one. In the medieval period in Europe, prostitutes were required by law to wear stripes. It's a family podcast, Andy. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I didn't make this law. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. It does make sense to distinguish certain, let's say, sections of the society, you know, the way that our society has evolved, that you'd yeah. classify someone, right, based on what job they did or what their place in society was. Yeah. And you have a certain dress code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't just prostitutes. It was other people of disrepute. Okay. At least in Europe, stripes have been associated with criminals or lower class people, especially prisoners. The idea was that it was very obvious, so it was very noticeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This particular law comes from the 13th century in various parts of Western Europe. Poor people can't wear fur, you can't wear gold, mm-hmm. and that if you're a prostitute, you're supposed to wear stripes. Mm. Right. This has been kind of a theme where marginalized groups have kind of latched onto stripes as like a way of turning this around. Oh, trying to own it? Stripes are bad, but we're going to own it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. Yeah. And then particularly prisoners as well. Yeah, definitely. In India, for example, I remember watching Bollywood movies and prisoners would always have white, not a shirt, but like a piece of clothing to cover your body and would have black stripes. Okay. Yeah, you could identify, okay, he's a prisoner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting that it's in other cultures as well. So people say, oh, they're easy to spot. It's easy to see striped clothing. Right. Which Mm -hmm. I think is interesting because animals that have stripes actually are more camouflaged, but it doesn't work for humans. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Yeah. 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 But what's interesting about that is that 
our brains, like neurologically, we're predisposed to spot stripes. So some people call brains like pattern-seeking machines. Mm -hmm. So children, the first patterns that they pick up on are alternating colors. So the most basic is a stripe. That's why so many children's toys have stripes on them. Right. Okay. So yeah. So I guess <laughs> I didn't know that, but that's yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically the idea was that stripes were for disreputable people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, and that's also interesting too because a lot of designers in the 20th century they kind of embraced stripes as kind of a high class thing, like it's related to boating mm-hmm. and yachting yeah. and these kind of upper class activities. So it's interesting how these things change over time. Yeah, that's very interesting. So yeah, speaking of connotations that have changed over time, Mm -hmm. the next pattern we're going to talk about are polka dots. Ooh. So polka dots, if you don't know, are usually they're equally spaced, equally sized circles of one color on a background of another. Yeah. Okay. Fact number two, polka dots are directly named for the dance. The polka. The dance. The dance polka. Yes. (laughs) Do you know how to dance polka? No. Not my biggest skill (laughs) set. Have you ever seen people dance polka, Soups? I have. I have. Okay. Yes. Yeah. This is a funny question to ask Tanner because (laughs) we're from Wisconsin and polka is still alive and well in Wisconsin and kind of a requirement. (laughs) Yeah, we learned it in school. (laughs) (laughs) But have you ever thought about how weird this name is? Like polka dots. Why are they called polka dots? It's actually Mm -hmm. named for the dance, the polka. Yeah. Which is also very funny because, yeah, we live in Poland and the word polka means a Polish woman. Uh So it comes from Czech, though, because the dance is originally from Bohemia. Okay. Mm -hmm. This dance was huge in the middle of the 19th century in Europe. People were crazy for it. (laughs) It was like the Macarena. (laughs) (laughs) This was so hugely popular Mm -hmm. because advertising was kind of a new thing. Like marketing was kind of a new thing in the middle of the 19th century. So because the dance polka was so popular, manufacturers and advertisers would just add the word polka to stuff to try to sell it. (laughs) Okay. So they were polka jackets, polka pants, polka hats, polka dots. Right. Yeah. This also coincided with, you know, the Industrial Revolution. The thing about dots in Western culture, particularly in Europe, is that for most of European history, dots were bad. It was like pox or the plague. Oh, right. Spots in a handkerchief would be a sign of disease. Mm -hmm. Sure. Dots had a very negative connotation in Europe. But in the Industrial Revolution, because of machines, they were able to equally space the dots, Uh which made them more appealing. Right. They weren't this irregular, mottled, gross dot pattern. Yeah. Yeah. They were uniform. And so they looked very intentional. They were kind Mm -hmm. of cute. So the ability to make these dots coincided with the dance polka. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when people were trying to sell this pattern because they had to convince Europeans that dots are cool. Yeah. It's not diseased. They added polka. <laughs> <laughs> so it just rode the wave of the dance. It didn't have anything to do with the dance. It was just like, what's no. hot right now? Okay, yeah. we're going to name it the same thing. Yeah. Because otherwise, how are they connected? How does the not. dot pattern have anything <laughs> no, to do with the dance? Not. 
Well, you know, a marketing gimmick. Yeah, <laughs> it always comes back to that. Yeah, and every time we land across something, <laughs> nine out of ten times, it's a marketing gimmick. Yeah. Well, that's good that we have a marketer on the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so polka was the buzzword of the 1840s. Right. And then polka dots had another resurgence in the 1940s, especially in the U.S. Okay. All right. The next pattern, now we're getting a little more complicated. The next pattern is plaid, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because I'm actually wearing a plaid shirt right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's true most days, yeah. (laughs) But so anyway, plaid is a pattern of various colors and widths crossing at 90 degree angles. Yeah. So plaid for the pattern is actually a North American term. Mm -hmm. So originally this pattern is Scottish. So this is an example of a European pattern that is very culturally important. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there it's called tartan or tartan. Yeah. And if you remember our episode on photography, Mm -hmm. fun bonus fact, if you want to listen, the first color photo was of a tartan ribbon. Yeah. Yes. So fact number three, originally and technically, tartan and plaid were the cloth, not the pattern. So it's made from wool as a wool cloth. And Mm -hmm. the reason it's the cloth and not the pattern is because it's actually woven into the cloth. So it's not printed. Okay. Oh. At least traditionally and originally. Okay. But nowadays, the pattern is called plaid as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tartan is a really important cloth slash pattern originally from Scotland, but also important in many other Celtic cultures, such as Ireland. And it's particularly in the Scottish Highlands. Mm -hmm. The varying colors and the shapes were representative of your clan. Yeah. Right. So if you wore a certain plaid pattern, then it meant you were from a certain clan. Yeah. So it was part of your identity. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's true even today. It's considered bad taste or offensive to wear this tartan pattern if you aren't from that clan. Yeah. But there are lots of lots of kinds, lots of different colors, lots of different names for them. Hmm. So nowadays it's it's very much a more, I wouldn't say universal exactly, but it's a pretty widely used and accepted pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even the queen has her own preferred tartan pattern. Sure. <laughs> of course. So the pattern is called the Royal Stuart. Yeah. Is that the old historical traditional line of kings that come from Scotland? The Stuart line? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It does make more sense when you remember that this is a culturally significant pattern. Right. So all these sets of the stripes and the colors and their combination yeah. matters to certain people. It matters. It's identifying. It's part of your identity, like Soup said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last pattern. Okay. I don't know how well known this pattern is. Do you know what houndstooth is? Mm-hmm. No. I bet if you saw it, you would recognize it. Okay. Let me visualize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Houndstooth is a kind of checker. So it's two colors of alternating squares. Okay. But it's technically a tessellation because they're not squares. So it's a tessellation of skewed tooth-shaped checks that usually come in black and white. Mm-hmm. The shape kind of looks like a like an arrow yeah. or a swallow's tail. Mm-hmm. It looks like a tooth. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of spiky. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like an alien invader. Yeah. I can picture it. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was very popular in the knots when I came yeah. of age. Yeah. So I remember yes. this. Houndstooth coats, houndstooth scarves. I had a lot of houndstooth things in like 2009. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I also picture literary characters like in uh, Catcher in the Rye, like Holden Caulfield would wear houndstooth. That's actually, there are two quotes in the OED from Catcher in the Rye using the term houndstooth. See, yeah. yeah. You're you're spot on. It's, It's like a cultural thing. Yeah. So fact number four, houndstooth was likely favored by Welsh shepherds to differentiate themselves from the Scottish. Oh. So with plaid, I mentioned that many Celtic cultures also have their own tartans. Yes. But the Welsh are unique. So that's technically another Celtic culture. Right. But they had their own pattern. Okay. Houndstooth, though, actually the first example of it that Uh we have recovered is from the 3rd century B.C., what? A cloak called the Garum cloak from Sweden was found in a peat bog. <laughs> we actually found oh. this guy's coat and it had houndstooth design on it? Yeah, if you look really closely, you can see that it has this houndstooth pattern, which must wow. have been very distinct when this cloak was original. Yeah. 3rd century BC for a cloth. That's crazy. And it barely has any holes in it. It's amazing. Yeah, you think about clothes today, like they get holes so fast. Exactly. Modern houndstooth is not exactly the same as this cloak, but it's so close that we're going to give the third century Scandinavians credit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But this pattern is called Shepherd's Check. It's another name. Yeah, it's made by shepherds. And this became really popular among the English gentry in the early 20th century. So they saw the Welsh shepherds. Yeah. They said that they preferred this over tartan and other checks. Mm-hmm. So a check is any like squares of alternating colors because the, the irregular shape made it harder to see dirt on your clothes. <laughs> Classic excuse. Okay. Yeah. I want this shirt because you can't see how dirty it is. Yeah. Okay. They wanted to differentiate themselves from all of these tartan wearing Celts. They were like, no, we're Welsh. Ours, it's shepherd's check. It's houndstooth. It's different. Sure. But then the English gentry come in in the early 20th century and they're like, this will make an excellent coat for when I go hunting (laughs) out and wherever. And so they made this like hugely popular, particularly Queen Elizabeth II's uncle, the Prince of Wales, Edward Duke of Windsor. Mm -hmm. He was the shortest reign of any English king because he abdicated to his brother. Yes. Yeah. He really loved to wear houndstooth. He had house with everything, and so he was often photographed wearing it, and it's easy to see. Yeah, it makes him stand out. Mm-hmm. This made houndstooth hugely popular, and Coco Chanel was a big fan and had whole lines in houndstooth. Oh, wow. So this kind of was a big cultural moment. And then it came back in the knots, and that's when I wore it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's very interesting that all of these patterns relate to not the, let's say, the affluent class of society who are creating the trends. Mm-hmm. It's the working class. Yeah. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. All started with like, okay, you know, this is the idea. We don't associate ourselves with this, but then yeah. we kind of own it, give it yeah. our spin, make it cool, and then, you know, <laughs> take that culture and make it ours, right? Yeah. yeah. And you see that, I mean, sneakers, right? For example, sneakers today are so popular, but mm-hmm. sneakers are very much part of the black culture, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in the US, it's their thing, but, you know, it's become this, everyone owns it. Right. Yeah. The whole 
whole concept of identity and Mm -hmm. where it belongs to. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that you bring that up because that's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning where I specifically picked patterns that are of European descent because I am of right. European descent. And the thing is that, you know, Europeans have appropriated other patterns that are culturally significant in other mm-hmm. parts of the world and kind of diluted them. And right. so I didn't want to talk about those patterns because I'm not from mm-hmm. those original cultures. I can't really speak to how meaningful they are to people. I really right. only know the westernized version, which is very watered down. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an interesting point that like, well, Europeans do it to themselves too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> the British Isles do it all day long. It's totally fine. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's something to really think about and to keep in mind that like yeah. it's not just clothes it's not just oh it looks cool like it can be really meaningful to certain people yeah mm-hmm. it really really matters yeah yeah, yeah. i kind of like that it brings it back full circle so yeah. those are my four patterns and my four facts but one of them is a lie well all right so before tanner and i identify which pattern does not fit why don't you repeat your facts for us please okay So, fact number one. In the medieval period in Europe, prostitutes were required by law to wear stripes. Fact number two. Polka dots are directly named for the dance. Fact number three. Originally and technically, tartan and plaid were the cloth, not the pattern. And fact number four. Houndstooth was likely favored by Welsh shepherds to differentiate themselves from the Scottish. Hmm. Okay. So one of those is a lie. Which one is not cut from the same cloth? Huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. no. Wow. <laughs> I hate that pun with every fiber of it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. <clears throat> so, what do you think in soups? Fact number three, I have a feeling it's just plain BS. Like, I think <laughs> plaid is just, is the pattern. Like, it's right. not the material. Yeah. That's where I'm stuck. That kind of makes sense, too. Yeah. I was leaning towards two, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Which one do you think? I'm going with fact number one. Okay. I think it's not prostitutes in the Middle Ages. I think it's only prisoners. Okay. And I'm going to go with fact number three, that I don't think it's from a piece of clothing. It's just the pattern itself is plaid. Okay. Unfortunately, boys... You guys didn't even, like, think about the lie. Oh, no. We totally missed it. <laughs> it's fact number four. Oh, the lie no. is fact number four. <laughs> oh, no. is not Welsh. It's also Scottish. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> the reason I had come up with it was because Edward, Duke of Windsor, he made this popular when he was the Prince of Wales. Oh. Wales. Yeah. Which okay. is what the British crown calls their heir apparent. Sure. So then I was like, oh, he, it's, it's Welsh. Welsh. Okay. So did the Scots have any attachment to it? It's a lowland. Oh, highlands versus lowlands. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So the Prince of Wales was a big fan of Houndstooth, but Houndstooth is not Welsh. Okay. Wow. I didn't even think of it for a second, though, but I should have known it's Scottish. I didn't want to give the Scottish so much credit right away. <laughs> <laughs> Two of the patterns. <laughs> I should have known. Thanks for listening to this episode of the I Should Have Known podcast. If you liked it, please, oh, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and we will be eternally grateful. Thanks for listening. Woo-hoo.